Good morning. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for worshiping with us again here this morning. Uh, glad that you're with us. Uh, just a couple things by way of business before we jump into God's Word. Uh, obviously, things are changing in North Texas and in our nation um, related to COVID, and so we just want you to know we're continuing to monitor that. Uh, we had already planned this morning because of the holiday weekend to be online only. Um, so we will keep you posted in terms of our plans for the weeks ahead just here as soon as possible. So stay tuned. Uh, regardless of whether we choose to have uh, in-person worship or not, you will definitely, there will always be an online option here as we move forward. So I just want you to be aware of that. But we'll be communicating here uh, just ASAP about what our plans are for the coming weeks. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, also, parents and kids got something coming up in a couple of weeks uh, exciting for you. Uh, Miss Glenna is working on a virtual VBS. So uh, she'll have more details. Tells uh, for you about that in the coming weeks, but uh, have things prepped for you that you can do all at home. Um, so kind of strange, kind of weird, but uh, that's the season that we're in. So be on the lookout for that. So uh, bringing our attention to scripture this morning, I just, I know that we're all thinking about our nation. We're all thinking about our freedoms and our independence this weekend. And uh, just thought it might be helpful to just kind of ground our celebration and, and our, our thoughts and our prayers and even our, our grievings about our nation in light of scripture. So uh, I've selected four passages and, and there's nothing inspired uh, for my selection of these passages. I just think they're foundational, and you may have some passages, uh, obviously, that you think are important um, as we think through just the situations in our nation right now and what we're what we're facing. Um, so I'm actually going to ask you later in um, the service to comment in the comments here of a passage that, that you might want to share uh, for other people out there. But uh, just uh, as we celebrate this weekend, as we pray for our nation, as as we as we grieve, um, but also are thankful for this great uh, yet imperfect nation, uh, just want to direct our thoughts to, to four kind of basic foundational passages, if you will. So uh, join me. First of all, I want to take us to First uh, Timothy chapter two where we uh, see our prayer, okay? So uh, four passages, and this one relates to how we should pray. And it says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Now, this is the second chapter of, of his short little letter here from Paul, but he, he says, first of all, I want you to pray. And he says, notice there, I want you to pray for all people. But then he goes on, uh, and obviously he doesn't mean that we pray for all people that you know exist or all people that know, but he, I think he's saying we want you to pray for all kinds of people and all, all different people. And then he specifies, I want you to pray for kings and all those in positions, in high positions. Now, we don't have a king, but we we have leaders over us. We have a president. We have congressmen. We have senators. We have uh, city leaders, state leaders, and just an important reminder as citizens uh, of this nation and as believers in Jesus that Paul instructs us here, first of all, to pray. Now, sometimes uh, you might hear people say, or you might say to yourself, hey, I'll, I'll be praying for you. It's the least that I can do. It's actually the most that we can do. 
um, prayer ought to be our first instinct. And, and I, I have to just confess to you this morning, um, I don't pray for our leaders uh, as I feel like I should, as I think the scriptures uh, would instruct us to. So I just want to remind us this morning uh, that our first instinct ought to be to pray, to pray for all people, to pray for those that we know, to pray for those that are suffering, for those that are sick, that those are working in difficult uh, fields right now, for those that are uh, struggling with unemployment or worried about their job. We should be praying for all people, but we should also be praying for our president. We should be praying for our mayors and our judges. Um, our Supreme Court just made some uh, monumental decisions a couple weeks ago that could drastically affect uh, religious freedom and, and even uh, the, the ways that we are able to express ourselves, and, and that could really be a conflict. Um, we need to pray for those in positions of high authority. So um, let's do that. Secondly, uh, another just foundational passage, and you won't be surprised that I take us here because we go here often. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 uh, through 39. And they come and they ask Jesus, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? And verse 37, Jesus says, And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. I mean, uh, for every season, uh, for every day, for every uh, hour, this is the great commandment, uh, whether it's a, a time of rejoicing or whether it's a time of grieving. Uh, the greatest commandment is to love God and to love our neighbor, to love God first with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. Um, that's always our priority, to love God and to love our neighbors. Who's your neighbor? Well, uh, according to the story of the Good Samaritan, uh, this man is, uh, you know, helpless along the side of the road, hurt. And the story of the Good Samaritan is that our, our, our neighbor is, is anyone that we come across that has a need that we can help. Um, so you may not be able to uh, fix all the injustices in the world, but you know what we can do? We can help our neighbors. Uh, when we see people in need, uh, we can love them with the love of Jesus and we can meet their needs uh, for our neighbors. And our neighbors have various needs. I, I, I have a neighbor next door to me, a literal neighbor next door to me. Um, she's retired. She lives alone. She has different needs. There's different ways that we can love and serve that neighbor versus the neighbor I have to the other side of me. That it's a, a mixed race family, multi generational family, a young child, teenage child, two different neighbors, two different needs. Uh, and yet we're called to love God first and foremost, uh, and then love our neighbors. And so it's, there's craziness in our culture, there's, there's hurt and um, difficulty right now, uh, there's big problems. But let's not forget that we're called just to, to the simple things uh, of loving uh, God and loving our neighbors first. We can't solve all the problems uh, in this world, but we can love our neighbors. Um, so uh, our prayer, our priority. Thirdly, I want to take us to uh, Ephesians chapter 6 where we see our battle. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to read uh, verses 10 through 12 here. 
It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." Here we see our battle. Where's uh, the battlefield? Where's the war? And according uh, to Ephesians chapter 6, the, the war is not a cultural war. The war is not a political war. But the war is in the heavenlies. It's a spiritual battle. And our enemies are not flesh and blood, but are spiritual forces of evil. In fact, I'd encourage you to read through this passage and just count uh, the number of times the word evil occurs. And here you see uh, that he talks about the schemes of the devil. Uh, there really is an adversary uh, that we have, an adversary against God and his truth, uh, and he has schemes. And his schemes may work through cultural factors or through earthly means, but our opponent and our war is not an earthly war. It is a spiritual battle. So as we face difficulties, as we face political division and, and racial strife, let us remember on this July 4th weekend that our enemies are not flesh and blood, but they're the adversary, the devil and his minions and the spiritual forces in the heavenlies that are about Division. What is the enemy's tactic from the very beginning, from, from Genesis chapter 3? The enemy's tactic has always been to doubt God's word, to get people to deny God's word, to divide uh, men and women, to, to divide cultures, to divide people, to divide churches. Uh, and those schemes of the devil are still the schemes that he uses thousands of years later uh, today. In fact, Jesus said uh, in John chapter 10, that the, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So anywhere that we see killing, stealing, and destruction, that's the work of the enemy. That's the scheme of the devil uh, using human things, using human systems perhaps, and, and individuals and people, but they are not our enemies. Uh, our enemy is in the spiritual realm. So let us be reminded of that as well. Finally, I want to take us uh, to John chapter 18, probably one of the, the lesser familiar verses um, that I bring to us today. But John chapter 18, uh, which provides both a, a challenge and a comfort to us. Um, these are Jesus' words again. John 18, I think maybe I said Matthew a second ago, but John chapter 18 uh, and verse 36. And Jesus is before Pilate, the governor, and... Um, at his trial, Jesus says this. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Now, three times there, Jesus tells Pilate and informs us that, hey, my kingdom is not of this world. 
And we need to remember that. Um, there's good things about being patriotic, and I'm patriotic, and I think we should be patriotic. Our country is not perfect, but uh, it's a good country. And there's nothing wrong with patriotism. But Jesus reminds us here that his kingdom is not of this world. And that's both a challenge and a comfort. Uh, it, it challenges us not to put our hope and our trust in this country, in this world, and even in this, this nation. But our highest allegiance and our highest priority is the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Our ultimate loyalty, our ultimate devotion as believers is to Jesus' kingdom. Um, he, uh, he says here that his kingdom is not of this world. And then he says his kingdom is not from this world. Uh, and the, the earthly world, uh, the, the world of, of, of this nation, the world of, of this flesh and blood kind of kingdom, uh, has been tainted uh, by sin and by destruction. But Jesus says that the kingdom that he's bringing is a kingdom of righteousness and peace. His kingdom is not of this world, but he's bringing a kingdom. And it's a kingdom that will be a kingdom of peace, righteousness, love, and goodwill. Uh, so that's the kingdom that we look forward to. Um, one of the uh, founders of the modern evangelical movement was a guy named Carl Henry. And Carl Henry, I love this quote that he says once, he said, the early church didn't say, look what the world has come to. They said, look what has come into the world. God has come into the world uh, to rescue it, to redeem it, and to initiate his kingdom and then to bring his kingdom when the king comes again. So we love our nation, but we love Jesus and we love his kingdom even more. I uh, recently finished uh, reading a book, a book here right behind me uh, called Devotion. And it was recommended to me um, by a friend a couple months ago. And it's a wonderful story, especially in these times that we live. It's a story of Jesse Brown, uh, who's the, the first Navy pilot, black Navy pilot uh, in the Korean War. And uh, it's, it's about his uh, historic uh, role as a Navy fighter pilot and then his friendship uh, with the guys in his squadron, including a guy named Todd. Tom Hudner, excuse me, who's a New Englander, Harvard guy, uh, country club guy who has this friendship uh, with his wingman, Jesse Brown, from the sharecropping fields of Mississippi. And this book, um, it, it, it tells the story of their growing friendship and their uh, fight in the Korean War. And uh, it's an inspiring story, especially uh, for our time, as you see uh, these people of different cultures and different backgrounds and different colors um, become brothers in this fight. And you see Jesse Brown's uh, sincere faith uh, in Jesus. And also uh, you see him as an incredible husband to his wife. 
Well, Jesse Brown, the first Navy pilot, uh, first black Navy pilot, uh, was killed in battle. And Jesse Brown fought for a kingdom, for a country in which he wasn't even able to be served with some of his compadres, some of his fellow soldiers because of segregation. And he gave his life for an imperfect country, for an imperfect kingdom. At the, the uh, last words of the book, uh, the author writes this. Uh, he says, that the world needs Jesse Brown and Tom Hudner now more than ever. The world needs the story of Jesse Brown and Tom Hudner now more than ever. This book was written in 2015. And now more than ever, even since five years ago, we need this story of Jesse Brown and Tom Hudner now more than ever. But though Jesse Brown's the hero of this story, we know another story. And the hero of our story is Jesus, who gave his life for a kingdom that had rejected him, for a people that had rejected him. He gave his life for his enemies uh, to bring them in to a new kingdom that he was initiating, a new kingdom that would come uh, in his time with his righteousness. We, uh, we celebrate a good but an imperfect uh, nation uh, this weekend, but we anticipate and we give our devotion and we give our full alliance and, and allegiance to a perfect kingdom that is to come. And that's a comfort that no matter what happens in this kingdom, in this nation, there is a perfect kingdom coming. Let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you that um, in the mess of our hearts and in the mess of this world and our culture, we can trust you because you are working out your good and perfect plan. And Jesus, we just pray that you would help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. You would help us to be good citizens. But Jesus, you would help us ultimately to, to trust in you and to give our love and loyalty ultimately to you and to your kingdom. And Jesus, we thank you uh, that we have this great hope. Uh, we thank you that you have come and delivered us from sin and you will come and deliver us finally and fully from all sin and all unrighteousness uh, when you consummate your kingdom in your second coming. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.